She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files adjacent podcast. Kolchek the Night Stalker. Episode 7. The Devil's Platform. In this episode, after being attacked by a large black dog while investigating a series of mysterious accidental deaths, Kolchek comes to believe that a senatorial candidate is in league with Satan as a means of securing political success. Mm. This episode was written by Tim Mashler and Don Mullally and uncredited Rudolph Borcher, David Chase, Norm Liebman, and Larry Marks. And it was directed by Alan Barron. Yeah, it had a lot of writers on this one, apparently. (laughs) And its original air date was Friday, November 15th, 1974 at 10 p.m. Yes. And we get the opening credit sequence, as always. And then Kolchek is in an alley beside his car. And he has his recorder. There's an old adage. Politics makes strange bedfellows. And politicians have paired up with the military and organized crime and angry armed dairy farmers. The church, famous athletes, comedians. But not too long ago, right there in Illinois, where Kolchak is at, the strangest of bedfellows was found under the covers. The strangest and most terrifying. July 22nd, Springfield, Illinois. Eric Berenger, self-made millionaire and heavy contributor to a variety of political causes, was driving to meet his wife for dinner. He was unaware he'd already had his last meal. Car goes off the road. Boom! Car explodes and rolls down the embankment. He's dead. August 7th, Lake Michigan. Dennis De Silva, former advertising genius and current speechwriter for incumbent Senator Talbot, was sailing on the aptly named Shooting Star. Boom! Boat explodes. August 14th, Holchek is apparently late for another interview, this time with Senate candidate Robert Palmer. He's simply irresistible, and his voters are addicted to loving him. However, his recently hired campaign manager, Stephen Wald, feels otherwise. We see him walking with Palmer in the halls of Palmer's law office atop one of Chicago's skyscrapers. Wald says that Palmer's a crook. He's been checking Palmer's previous constituency and accuses Palmer of having stolen the election through bribery, extortion, misallocation of funds, and the use of laundered money. Palmer says that such allegations are always made by people who disagree. But if Wald doesn't want to stay on with him as he moves up political chain, that's his choice. Wald says, oh, no, you don't understand. I'm not just quitting. I'm going to the DA. And as they enter a crowded elevator, Palmer says he can't let Wald do that. The doors close. And as they close, the young woman comes running out of the office. And she's like, Mr. Wald, Mr. Wald. And he forgot his briefcase. But she turns back because the doors are already closed. Elevator's going down. And she was too late. Too late indeed. Mm-hmm. So... There are people waiting for the elevator in the lobby, including Kolchak, and they hear like these horrible metal sounds and screams and then a crash. And we kind of see like the gears of the elevator failing. And yeah, it's pretty dramatic. So Kolchak runs around to the elevators that exit the parking garage and workmen are frantically trying to pry open the doors. And Kolchak keeps taking photographs of them trying to get the doors open. And then the doors come open and like a body falls out. And everyone in the elevator is dead, except this large black dog that doesn't seem to like Kolchek taking its photo. So it attacks Kolchek and knocks him down, but it runs off. And Kolchek's unharmed, and he managed to get the uh, dog's tag in his hand. Like, he got the chain off its neck while it was attacking him. And the tag is like this weird medallion, and it's got this, like silver circle with a pentagram inside and these purple symbols and there's a red goat's head in the center Mm -hmm. it's kind of a freaky tag for a dog yeah just a little bit so kolchak pockets the medallion as the fire and ambulance arrives and you know credits start and kolchak keeps taking pictures as they like carry the bodies out of the elevator unfortunately kolchak learns that he missed palmer so he didn't get to his interview because obviously 
was derailed by this elevator disaster, which, by the way, seems like a great news story. Like, he should get back to the INS and type this up right away. That's what Hmm. he should do. Hmm. He does, actually, but... Oh, that's true, right. Yeah. So Palmer staff tells Kolchak that, like, Palmer already left for the live television debate. And Kolchak is like, okay, cool. So, like, he makes his way through the city, and he's like, well, since I'm not particularly welcome at the television studio where the debate is taking place... Uh, I'm going to go watch it at one of these gentlemen clubs. So unbeknownst to Kolchak, as he goes into the bar, we see that the large black dog has been following him across the city the whole time. Mm-hmm. So inside the lounge of the gentlemen's club, Kolchak talks to the bartender, Louie, and he talks him into switching the channel from the game because the game is on to the debate. So the debate comes on and the moderator introduces Senator Talbot but it seems that Palmer has not arrived. So there's like an empty seat in his name and the microphone. And according to the moderator, his staff are at a loss regarding his absence. So as such, the debate is canceled and they're going to show some movie instead or something. So they turn the TV back to the game. So Kolchak's sitting there and he's eating some bar snacks and he's wondering like, what could have happened to Palmer? And then we see the dog is outside the gentleman's club, just waiting for Kolchak to come out. Ooh. So, so Louis, the bartender is played by Stanley Adams, which isn't, necessarily a big name guy but he is the first other actor besides darren mcgavin and simon oakland to have appeared in both the night stalker movie and kolchek the night stalker albeit as a different character so right there's at least one other person that i'm aware of who does the same thing but kolchek and vincenzo are still the only characters to have ever appeared in both and as far as i know they're the only ones who actually did the hat trick of being in all three both movies and the tv series yeah do you do you recall who stanley adams played in the night stalker do you recognize him no he looked familiar but i could i don't know who he played fred hurley's used cars he was was the used car okay the one who sold it to the creepy looking guy who basically tricked him into selling it for less yeah took a bath on that Yeah, yeah i remember him Yep. Also, I found out he is the triple guy in Star Trek (gasps) in the the three triple episodes. Okay. Um, Cyrano Jones is his name. That is another reason I probably recognized him. Yeah. Because I have seen those episodes many times. Yep. 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 So Kolchek is in the INS darkroom slash file room slash men's room. And he's developing the prints from his film that he took earlier. And obviously he didn't get accosted by the dog somehow when he left because he managed to get back to INS. So I'm not sure what happened there, but he's doing that. And then speaking of the dog, the photo he's working on is the one of the dog snarling from inside the elevator when the doors were opened. And the dog appears to be solid black in Kolchak's photo. And its eyes look almost as if it's glowing. It's black and white photos, but still. So he's still got like his gloves and the apron on and he goes into Vincenzo's office with the photo. And Tony is yelling at Updike over the phone about a trial that Updike is apparently covering. And like it hasn't, they haven't like come back with a verdict yet, but they need the story. So he tells Ron to just write both versions. And then it turns out the guy's innocent. They can save the guilty one for someone else later. And then he hangs up on Ron. (laughs) Oh, poor Ron. Yeah. 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 So then Vincenzo asked him, he put the elevator story on the wire. So he did manage to get back and write it at some point. And he's like, oh, yeah, I did. And look, here's a picture of that dog. And he's like, it's strange how that dog was in that particular elevator. The elevator fell 40 floors and killed Palmer's campaign manager. And the dog was uninjured. And Vincenzo doesn't follow. He doesn't know where Kolchak is going with this, how they're related. And Kolchak reminds him of like Eric Berenger and Dennis Da Silva and then Chen was like, hey, no, no one has even whispered that there's been foul play in any of those cases. And the authorities haven't made any connection. And Kolchak's like, what authorities? The Titanic was full of authorities. And Neville Chamberlain, he was an authority. Look, World War II happened. You can't trust authorities. And then Vincenzo suddenly realizes what has happened. And he's like, you put that story on the wire, didn't you? And he's like, sure, I put it on the wire. And he's like, did you insinuate anything in that story? And then, of course, Kolchak doesn't answer. He's like, what political party did you put finger at? Who's going to sue us now? And so then they just start going at it. Vincenzo is not happy. Because you know Mm -hmm. what Carl did? He wrote a story. Yep. Yep. (laughs) 
I do have to say Simon Oakland, Vincenzo, like he looks really good in the scene. I think like his outfit is really good. The colors are nice. It's like really well tailored and he just looks really good in the scene. So I don't know, wardrobe, makeup, something. I mean, he just looks good. I mean, not that he ever looks bad, but I just noticed that he looked particularly like nice in this one. Oh, Tori's starting to stand on Vincenzo. Okay. I stand Vincenzo as a very <laughs> exasperated human who clearly has stomach problems because of his stress. And I relate to that on a deep and spiritual level. Um, I just, you know, I appreciate when the costume people get it right and the wardrobe people get it right. I thought it was like, I don't know, he just, it stood out to me that he looked pretty well put together at this time, so. Yeah, and this was a weird place. There's a commercial here. They start arguing, and then there's a commercial, and then we come back, and they're still arguing. So it's kind of a weird commercial spot, but this is a commercial. Break. Right. Boom. And Kolchak's kind of saved from Vincenzo's fury because Miss Emily comes back, and Yay. she's back from her vacation in Italy. And so she talks about how beautiful it was, and they saw the Spanish steps, and Rome was amazing. And Tony's like, all right, all right, it's time to get back to work now. Like, that was fun, reminiscing. But she has gifts for them. So <laughs> Vincenzo unwraps his, and it's artichoke pasta, which is not available in the States and is, like, I guess half the calories, and it's made with, like, artichokes instead of wheat or something. And she also has a gift for Kolchak. And so he opens the box, and it's, like, a brand new white fedora with a black band. And it's a pretty snazzy hat. And so Tony's like, oh, good. You can get rid of that bird feeder you've been wearing. And Miss Emily has other gifts for other people, including one for Ron. And she also bought herself something. It's a bottle of holy water blessed by Pope Paul VI himself. So Vincenzo mentions he once planned to enter the priesthood and Kolchak's. And then the Inquisition ended and all the fun went out of it for you because Kolchak always has to rib for Vincenzo. And so with that, Vincenzo thanks Miss Emily and drags Kolchak back into his office. Yeah. So Vincenzo tells Kolchak to not try his patience because obviously he ripped him about the whole priesthood thing. And he's already in hot water over the elevator story. And so Kolchak's like, I only mentioned the other death was unusual. And so he like grabs the photo off of his desk that Carl had laid down on his desk. And he's like, is this your dog picture? And we see the photo and the dog is not in the photo. It's just an elevator and bodies. There's no dog in the picture at all. And Kolchak is like, it was right there. And Vincenzo just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh -huh. So then he calls the editor of a paper in Palmer's old constituency and has him send over a packet for Kolchak, who's doing a background on him. So Kolchak keeps going on about the dog. And then Vincenzo finally orders Kolchak out. Like he has a story about Palmer to work on and find out why he missed the debate yesterday. So as Kolchak leaves the newsroom, he grabs his stuff. He takes off the apron. He's still wearing like the big rubber gloves he was wearing from the dark room and everything. So he takes all that stuff off. He grabs his coat and he grabs his hat and he tucks his normal hat, his little straw hat into his coat. And then he puts on the new fedora. He's like, welcome back, Miss Emily. And he walks out and then he ducks into the bathroom. And then he sneaks back out of the bathroom and he's wearing his usual hat. So he apparently ditched his new hat in the bathroom because he's not a fan of the new hat. He likes his yeah. old hat. So. But I thought the new hat looked good. So I was like, oh, it's a nice hat. He likes what he likes. He does. So it's nighttime and Kolchak pulls up to Palmer's estate. And in a voiceover, he tells us that Palmer has picked a strange time to disappear. And he knocks on the knocker and rings the doorbell like several times. And finally, Miss Palmer answers. And she doesn't know where her husband is. And she's not really worried about his absence. Because, like, Colchester's like, well, if he's missing, we should file a report. She's like, he's not missing. He's got late-night meetings and smoke-filled rooms. He's a politician. That stuff happens. Mm -hmm. And so Colchester tries to get an interview with Miss Palmer. But she gives him, like, curt answers and eventually just shuts the door on him. So he walks back down the long driveway to his car. And as he's walking, Colchester is attacked. And he's knocked down by this large black dog that seems to be the dog from before. And it tears at his jacket pocket and runs off with the medallion in its mouth. Hmm. So after collecting himself, Kolchak goes back up to the house. Maybe he's going to like use the phone or ask about the dog. But as he nears the door, Palmer walks up from the side and he's like, good evening. Yeah. Creepy. Yeah, it's a little creepy. Yeah. Palmer's always very calm and speaks like just in like a not flat affect, but very just like. Yeah. So back at INS, Vincenzo, like Kolchak has got like muddy paws all over his jacket and his jacket's torn. 
And he's like, well, did you at least find out where Palmer was? And Kolchak says, Palmer said he was in a deep depression. And Vincenzo's like, aren't we all? So again, there you go, Tori. He's relatable. (laughs) He's relatable. And then Kolchak also says that Palmer said that Wall's death had upset him. He also said that he was still too upset to grant Kolchak an interview. So Kolchak's like, he said all those things, but he looked calm and collected like a plastic Buddha. So Vincenzo's like, well, when are we going to get the interview? And Kolchak's asked if he can get a voucher to get his jacket fixed. And they go back and forth about like, when are you going to get the interview? Well, can I get my jacket fixed? And Vincenzo's finally like, you expect me to believe that you actually care how you look? And he looks at him because he's all dirty and wearing it. He's like, what happened to that nice hat Miss Emily bought you? Why are you wearing this thing? And Kolchak's like, well, what do you not like about this hat? And he's like, what's under it? And he walks away. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, always fighting those two. Always fighting. Mm-hmm. So then it's August 16th at 8.30 p.m. An early morning call resulted in a meeting at Lincoln Park, and it takes place between Palmer and Wald's former secretary, Susan Driscoll. And this is the woman who was like running down the hall with the suitcase in the beginning, trying to Mm, give it to him before the elevator crashed. So this location is apparently usually frequented by lovers. So it's kind of a weird little little place to me. Mm. And she's really glad that Palmer could make it. And he's like, well, it sounded urgent on the phone, but why are we meeting here? And she's like, well, I thought it'd be nice. And he's like, I'm very busy. Like he just doesn't have time for this. And she's like, I remember when you always had time for me. And he's like, I never had time for aimless chatter. So (laughs) I don't know if they had an affair or something in the past, but he's clearly over it now. And again, to specify, he's very like, he's still like kind of almost like flat affect, like still calm and collected when he talks. And she's like, oh, so you don't need me anymore. And, you know, she's kind of offended. And she's like, well, you should know that the day Walt died, I was running to give him his briefcase. And then I saw you both get into the elevator. And after it crashed, I went through the briefcase and it contained a sealed envelope that was addressed to the DA. And he's like, well, what did it say? And she's like, it seems like we both underestimated each other. And she tells him that like the letter from the DA basically has enough evidence to like start an investigation on him. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, do you want money or something? And she says, sure. And so she like turns her back to him and like pitches a stone into the water. And she's like, I got nothing else. And then when she turns back to face Palmer, he's gone, but there's a large black dog and it leaps at her. And we see it's wearing the pentagram medallion and she screams and she tries to fight it off. And a couple who's walking on the bridge nearby hear the attack. And so the man runs off to get help and the police arrive and they shoot the dog and it flees. And then one officer's like, go call an ambulance. And the other like swears that he put six bullets in the dog, but the dog like ran off and was fine. So it's a little weird. Yeah. So Kolchak is driving and he hears the dispatch about the dog attack and he recognizes Driscoll's name. So he heads to the hospital and we've already seen that they've taken Driscoll and like taken her into a room. And the policeman who shot the dog is guarding the door and he's filling out some paperwork. And so Kolchak tries to get in, of course, but they won't let him in. And so he decides to try to interview the policeman and he asks about the dog, but the policeman keeps giving him like vague answers and Kolchak's like, what, what's going on? So finally, like the policeman kind of like looks. And so Kolchak turns his recorder off and then the policeman tells him like they were point blank with that dog. And he's like, you know, sometimes we get a little shaky in the middle of the situation. When we fire our guns, but we weren't that shaky. And he also says the dog like just stood there and he seemed almost like he liked the firepower. He like took the hits and then he like ran off. And so Kolchak asks if he can get a picture of Driscoll. And he's like, no, you can't, you can't go in there. And so like, well, can I get a picture of you? And the officer's like, yeah, sure. So as he's pulling back to take a picture of the officer, a nurse comes out of the room. And so Kolchak like uh, turns and click, click, takes some photos. And then he kind of like smiles at the officer and then takes off. So he didn't take pictures of the officer. He took pictures of Driscoll in a room. So. Mm-hmm. And then that night, we see Driscoll is in her hospital bed, and she's sleeping fitfully. And then we pan over, and we see these blue eyes, and it's Palmer. He's in the room with her, and he grabs the IV, 
And I'm not sure if he like what he does to it, but like he kind of tilts it a little bit and like it starts bubbling, like uh, maybe like more fluid is going out of it or something's happening with the IV. And then we see Driscoll and she like stiffens and shudders and then her monitor flatlines. Yeah. She's dead. Yeah. So Kolchak comes around the corner of the hospital with a doctor and he wants to know what's going on. And after some back and forth and some veiled threats, he's basically told that Driscoll died of a stroke. And he thinks it was murder. <laughs> we get this line, which is so terrible. <laughs> terrible line. But it's just like different strokes for different folks. And I'm like, oh my God, don't. Yep, that's don't from the that. doctor, yes, because she doesn't want to give Kolchak information. Kolchak kind of like they kind of they kind of both give each other threats. And but yeah, but at the end, she's like, Well, different strokes for different folks. It's like, oh my god. Okay. Like, okay. Yeah. Anyway. So back at INS, Kolchak is looking through a book of dogs and Updike kind of comes up and says, oh, is that the Kolchak family album? And Kolchak explains he's trying to figure out what kind of dog attacked Driscoll and he tries to describe the dog and he's like, so like it had a body like this and it had a head like this. And Ron's like, well, that sounds like a mongrel, but usually they're well behaved. And Kolchak mentioned that it attacked him too. And he's like, well, dogs are usually very good judges of character. And Kolchak mentions that the dog had five toes and Ron's like, oh, that's weird because only wild dogs have five toes and he would know it if one of them attacked him. And Vincenzo arrives and he yells at Updike for not working and then a Kolchak for not working. And Kolchak's like, I am working. I'm trying to find a five-toed dog. And <laughs> Vincenzo's like, well, if it has five toes, maybe it can work a typewriter and get more work done than you do because you're supposed to be covering Senator Talbot's press conference. Yeah. Clearly you're not. And I do have to say, I really like Ron here. I think Updike is really funny. I think it was just like a good exchange because usually like Updike is on the other end of Kolchak kind of giving him barbs and it was nice to see him like give back a little bit. Yeah. So I don't know about the whole five-toed dog thing. I don't know if that's real or not. I don't either. I didn't check. I think dogs just have as many toes as they have. I mean, they well, they got you know, they're like us. They got they got they got they got four fingers and then like a thumb on the side kind of thing, right? right. I mean, cats yeah. do. I think dogs do. I mean, aside from polydactylism, but maybe wild ones are more prone to polydactylism, and that's why I don't know. Yeah, I didn't either. research that. So, but anyway, we're at Talbot's press conference, and he is asked about being behind in the polls. So Palmer is ahead in the polls, it seems. And the reporter asks him if he has any of his famous last-minute bombs prepared to drop on Palmer. And Talbot kind of smiles and says, voters decide elections, not polls. And if he did have a bomb for Palmer, he literally doesn't know what he could use because Palmer is apparently white as the driven snow. So everyone thinks Palmer is just pure, pure, pure. So he's like, but either way, the election is still, you know, quite a bit of ways because we're like in, what, September? Elections usually in November. So election is still pretty far off and I'm actually going to be taking some time off and going to take a break and spend the day with my family at Lake Holland. And then Kolchak arrives just as Talbot is driving away. So he missed another interview for his story about the election. Yep. Yep. So that night we see Talbot and he's driving down a two lane mountain road, assumingly heading to Lake Holland. And then suddenly an approaching car is in his lane and he tries to avoid it. But the two cars just, boom, hit head on. And the other car is like rolls and it's upside down and is laying there. And then we see a large black dog walk out from inside the car. Like one of the doors is kind of like open and the dog just comes out and takes off. And then we also see Talbot's car and the windshield is smashed. And Talbot's just laying there like slumped against the wheel. So he is probably dead, which is probably why we have a commercial break. Yeah. So... So Kolchak arrives at the impound yard and Vincenzo is going to be mad because obviously he missed the press conference with Talbot, but now he has a new story. One that'll make Tony even matter. A political contest littered, not with posters and speeches, but with bodies. And both cars from the accident are completely totaled. So Kolchak asked the guy at the yard, like, was Talbot drunk? And they don't know they're doing a full autopsy, but even if he was, it wouldn't have mattered because the other car swerved into him. And the only skid marks on the road were from Talbot's car. So like Talbot tried to avoid it clearly and just wasn't mm -hmm. able to. And they don't know anything about the other driver because they haven't found him and the car was actually stolen. So they have no information on what happened. Yeah. 
So Vincenzo comes in the office after lunch and he's complaining about like, why do I eat there? And he's like holding his stomach and he sees Kolchek and Kolchek is deep in thought. And he's like, isn't Palmer just the luckiest of men? Like, sure, the governor is going to appoint someone to finish off Talbot's term, but Palmer is just going to blow past whoever he puts in his place and just win the election and walk right into a legislative seat. So he's like, there's too many unexplained accidents and medical mysteries and driverless cars involved in this. And then Genzo's actually coming around and he kind of agrees that like a political scandal would definitely sell papers. And it could also put a news agency on the map, but could also wipe one off the map as well. Then Kolchak brings up the dog again. And then just like, no, no, not the dog. But a political expose. Yes. If long as the facts are there. But why this dog? Forget the dog. Stop the dog. So, right. Knock it off, Kolchak. Just yeah. stick with the facts. Then a mailman arrives. And he's got a package for Kolchak. And it's actually the background package on Palmer that Vincenzo had ordered for him. So they owe like $2 in postage on it. And so the mailman goes off with Vincenzo to the office so he can pay it. And so Kolchak dumps out the contents. It's like full of like, you know, like photos, like, you know, like headshots and that kind of stuff. And just like, you know oh, look how great this guy is. And there's a bunch of articles in there. And he's kind of like looking through the photos and then he sees something. We see it from the back, so we don't know what he sees. But he like digs around in his desk and he pulls this giant magnifying glass, but it's still not good enough. So then we get some old school 1970s enhance, enhance, enhance. And I am seriously so excited about this scene because I don't know, like did Kolchak start the whole enhance, enhance thing? Probably not, but I'm like, maybe Kolchak started the whole enhance, enhance, enhance thing. I don't know. Anyway, so Kolchak goes back into the dark room and he makes an enlarged print of the original photo. And we see that it's actually Palmer and his wife posed in front of a pool in like their swimwear. So the image is still too small for Kolchak to make out what he's trying to see, though. So he makes another one. And then as the photo slowly develops in the tray, we see a close up of Palmer's bare chest and this medallion that he's wearing. And it's super crystal clear. Enhance, enhance, enhance. And it's the same pentagram medallion that the dog was wearing. Ooh. Yes. I was so excited about the enhance, enhance, enhance thing. I was not expecting that. <laughs> and just like, oh, my God, the, 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 did Kolchak start this? Did Kolchak start this? So probably That's not. Funny. But I was, like, really excited. Probably not. But it is funny that they've been doing that kind of thing for, like, like the fake science-y, we can enhance this photo in ways that uh -huh. never really work in yeah. real life type thing um, since the 70s. Like, that's good to know that it's not like a recent invention. No, and it's also nice because I actually have, I mean, aside, I mean, computers, I understand computers too. But like when I was in middle school, like I was on the yearbook and the school paper. And so I actually use a lot of the equipment that's in this scene of like, you know, making photos and making prints and that kind of stuff. So I'm like, yeah, it doesn't work that way. But again, enhance, enhance, enhance. So yeah like, gotta love tv science <laughs> so miss emily enters the ins office with a stack of books and ron runs over to help her and goes to set them on her desk but she's like oh no these are for Kolchek." and so updike's like oh and like puts them on carl's desk and Kolchek is deep in another book but he thanks miss emily and she complains about like the elevator in the building and like it's like when are they gonna fix it and then she starts talking to Kolchak it's like have you found what you're looking for yet and she starts looking through the books and it's like satanism power through witchcraft and all these stuff and she's like you're not gonna be reading these into the night are you and he's like yep and so she's like okay and like leaves him to it yeah so he's getting frustrated as he's flipping through the books he's like looking at the pictures he's trying to find something he's obviously not finding it so he like closes one abruptly and on the cover is a circle contain a pentagram surrounded by symbols with a goat's head in the center and so he pulled out his enhanced photo and it's essentially a match and he's like i've got it i've got it so vincenzo is like leaving his office he's heading home for the night and as he's leaving like miss emily like starts telling about like you gotta do something about the elevator people are gonna die of heart attacks and kolchak runs over and he's like the symbol, I found the symbol, and it's about people making packs with the Prince of Darkness to gain power. And then Miss Emily's about the elevator, and Kolchak's about the packs with the devil. And Miss Emily's like, someone is going to have a heart attack climbing the stairs one day. And Vincenzo's just like standing there, like with his eyes closed, and he reaches over, and, like puts his hand on his wrist, and he's like, What's the normal heart rate? And so, you know, he's like, Oh, I'm dying here. Kolchak keeps going on about the satanic packs. And then Miss Emily says that her sister's husband died just going up the attic one day. 
but he was overweight. And so Vincenzo's like, ah, so he just like leaves. And they like follow him. They're like, but this and this and this. And then Coltick is like, Palmer's going to ride his pack to the devil all the way to the Oval Office. Tony! <laughs> so. Yeah. So then Kolchak comes back into the office and Updike is the only person still there. And Kolchak's still muttering about how he always tries to warn people, but no one listens. No one cares. He has to do everything himself. And Updike's just kind of like staring at him. And so Kolchak's like, mind your own business. And so like Updike turns around and Kolchak snatches the bottle of holy water from Miss Emily's desk. And he looks upward and he's just like, God will understand, Miss Emily. And Kolchak heads out and he reminds Updike not to stay too late. And we have a commercial. No one died. Unless Tony died on the stairwell. We don't know. Probably not. But Yeah. I mean, I don't think commercials only happen when people die. It's just, <laughs> just very common. I'm trying to build something here. Okay. I'm trying to build something. Okay. I mean, it would be really inconvenient, like, for kids' cartoons. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, Kolchek is sneaking around Palmer's mansion. And he's at the front door. And he's, like, near the front window. And he hears them talking in a den. So, he sneaks around the back. And he finds an unlocked window and he goes in to where like, like there's like a back stairwell and then he goes up some stairs and there's a door that apparently leads to the den and inside Palmer and his wife are arguing and she's like, it's time to end this. Like it's too much. And he's like, there isn't a cancellation clause in this kind of deal. So they are talking about the pact with the devil. She knows about it. And she says there has to be something they could do. Maybe they go to a church or something. Like, she's afraid. And he says, like, you're being ridiculous. You're being foolish. Everything's fine. And she's like, why can't we just, like, go away and live a quiet life? And then Kolchak hears all this. They're arguing. And so then he goes back down the stairs, and there's another door. And he goes in, and it's the wine cellar. And so he's looking around. And, of course, he knocks something over, makes a bunch of noise. And then we see in the den... Palmer maybe hears this. We're not really sure because then he's like getting ready to leave. And she's like, why are you leaving in the middle of talking about this? And he's like, I've got to go get some more wine. So probably heard it. Maybe his wife. Probably. Yeah, it's hard to say. So Kolchak hides behind the wine rack before Palmer enters. And Palmer turns on the light and he goes over to the rack that Kolchak's standing behind. And he pulls a very dusty bottle of wine from the rack and like blows the dust off. And Kolchak is like trying not to sneeze and Palmer examines the bottle and then he goes through a smaller door within the wine cellar rather than exiting the door he came in. Mm. And Kolchak sneezes and and then he kind of like looks around the room and so he goes to the smaller door and he opens it dramatically but it's just like the shallow closet. So he like touches the back of the closet thinking maybe there's like a panel he can go through but there's nothing. So then he closes the door and he goes back around to the other side and he discovers a stone passageway. Yes. And so inside his secret sanctum, we see Palmer. He's putting on a black robe and there's like a huge like it's like a fire pit, but it's like a big like pedestal, but then like in the center is a fire pit. So it's kind of like a big stone table, but then in the center, there's fire. And there are black candles everywhere. And Palmer pours some of the wine. We're assuming it's wine. I'm not really sure. Into a goblet. And he stands in front of an altar and he raises it and prays. And Kolchak is watching all of this from behind the pillar. And then Palmer kneels down within a pentagram painted on the floor in front of the altar. And he recites this demonic invocation. And then he rises and he sets the goblet on the edge of the fire pit closest to the pentagram. And then he walks over and he fills a second goblet from the bottle. And then he walks over to the opposite side of the circular fire pit table thing. And there's a ceremonial dagger lying on it. And he kind of is like playing with the dagger. And then he casually says, you can come out now, Mr. Kolchek. I'm waiting for you. So he knows Kolchek has been there the whole time. Yep. So Kolchek comes out and Palmer's like, well, it looks like your insatiable desire for a story has brought you into this sorry state. And Palmer knows all about insatiable desires. And Kolchek's like, well, are they sated now? And he's like, yes, one by one, they've disappeared. Soon they will all be gone. And he tells Kolchek that he was offered a choice a few years back to remain dull and undistinguished or follow the path that he's on now. And Kolchek kind of tries the, what's your evil plan? 
And Palmer says that Kolchak knows fully that Palmer can go all the way, like probably to the White House. Like, mm-hmm. and Palmer basically makes an offer to Kolchak saying, you know, like all your dreams can come through. And Kolchak's not a great reporter because he has flaws that will keep him from ever being great, but he's a very good reporter. And he knows what Carl wants. And so he basically lists off his dreams. Like he wants a Pulitzer, despite his, you know, supposed disdain for awards. And he wants to work for a top New York daily. And he wants a nice suede back chair at his desk, not leather, but suede. And he knows Vincenzo annoys him. And Kolchak blames Vincenzo for holding him back. But deep down, Kolchak knows that it's all his own fault. And all those stumbling blocks can be easily removed. Yep. And Kolchak's like, is this a pact that needs to be signed in blood? And he's like, yep. And Kolchak asks if he can think about it. And Palmer's like, this is an offer that expires immediately. So basically, decide now. And Kolchak's like, well, what happens if I don't take you up on the offer? And Palmer says that his rights require a blood sacrifice. And so Kolchak will be that sacrifice tonight. And Kolchak's like, uh, you know, actually, I'd like to discuss it with my lawyer. And so then he like tries to head for the door, but it opens into a brick wall. So Palmer lunges at him with the knife, but Kolchak manages to dodge and get a gut punch in. And he runs back to the wine cellar. But then the large black dog is there blocking his exit. And Kolchak unsuccessfully tries to knock over the wine rack onto the dog. And then he hurls the bottle of holy water at the dog, but he misses. And so the holy water like shatters on the floor. Oh, no. I know. I know. Wait till it's closer. And then like spritz it on the, you know, it's like if you're ever near a vampire, same thing. Like hold on to the holy water and get it in their face. So the dog lunges and it pins Kolchak, but he manages to pull the medallion off its neck and he throws it into the spilled holy water where it immediately starts to sizzle and melt away. (laughs) I have to say the dog looked really pissed off when the thing started to sizzle. Like it looked mad. Oh no, it was mad. It was mad. Yeah, it looked super pissed. But then like, you know, after a second, it starts to like mellow out and then it just becomes like a normal dog and it looks like a cute puppy. It's just sitting there panting and it lets Kolchak pet it. Yep. And then we get a commercial. So in a way, maybe someone died because it was commercial. So Kolchak is back beside his Mustang and he says it was with the vigor with which Vincenzo crumbled up his story on Palmer that gave him the impression that it would never see print. Right. So apparently the popular story of why Palmer has disappeared because no one sees Palmer again is that he was actually kidnapped, possibly even murdered by political radicals. Because he was just too good. And they had to stop him. He was like Peter Pumpkinhead. They had to get rid of him. So Lorraine Palmer had apparently drove away before Kolchak could get a hold of her that night. They found her car the next day, but she was never found. And then Kolchak is talking into his recorder. And he says, hopefully, wherever she is, he has a nice dog to keep her company. Fetch her slippers and lick her hand. Then he turns off his recorder and he gets in his Mustang and he starts it and he drives off into the night. And then end credit sequence. And it's over. And I was really, really, really hoping that the dog was going to be sitting in the car when he got in the car. Oh, that'd be cute. Tony would hate the dog, but it would totally love Vincenzo and it would jump on him and lick him all the time in the office. And it would like steal his lunch and like sleep in his office on the sofa and like chew his slippers because for some reason, like Vincenzo would have slippers in his office and then it would growl at Ron. It would be great. So apparently my fan fiction list is getting really long. Yeah. You're going to need to write Kolchak and the dog adventures. Yeah. That would be (laughs) be so good. Anyway. Yeah. So the dog used in this episode is a Rottweiler, mm-hmm. which is one of many breeds that are wrongfully targeted by breed specific litigation, BSLs. That's because people suck. Like it's not yeah. the dog's fault. People train the dogs to be that way. There are no like bad breeds of dogs. Yeah, exactly. So the media, uh, I mean, like, like this, I don't really blame this episode. I don't necessarily blame the media either. I mean, like, you know, like Cujo was a St. Bernard. That's not really a dog that's usually on these kind of lists. A Rottweiler was used in the Omen for, like, similar reasons as the Rottweiler here. The big dog nowadays is usually, it's like, you know, the pit bulls and that kind of stuff. But it kind of comes and goes. It was Rottweilers. It was Doberman Pinschers. It was, uh, so, not the dog's fault. It's the people's fault. So, 
and it's not directly mentioned in this episode, but the use of the dog here is very similar to Legends of Black Shuck or Old Chuck. Kind of generally like black dog, bad things happen, you cold kind of thing. Probably the most famous literary version of that would be The Hound of the Baskervilles, Sherlock Holmes, Arthur Conan yeah. Doyle. So it's mainly like an England, UK kind of thing, myths of the black dog, but they kind of come and go. They're very popular in media. So, and then Robert Palmer, not the musician, but the character in this episode, is played by Tom Skerritt who has been in a lot of stuff, including Alien and Top Gun and if everyone's through it and Cheers. And of course, he was in Picket Fences. He was just on yeah. Picket Fences. So bonus X-Files credit. So, Yeah, I saw that when I looked him up on IMDb. I was like, oh, he's the guy from Picket Fences. You didn't just recognize him from Picket Fences? No, I only watched that one episode and I didn't oh, okay. watch closely. Okay. He also guest starred in an episode of The Real McCoys in 1963, like this one episode, but I just like that because that was actually the series that Kathleen Nolan starred in, and she played Faye Krueger in The Vampire, and I really like Faye Krueger, and so the fact that there's a little tie-up there, too, was kind of nice. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Cool little connection. Yep. The Devil's Platform. Yeah, his political platform. <laughs> what? That I is the one now. promise he kept, right? Owing his soul to his master. That's what Kolchak tells us. Yeah, making deals with demons or the devil is really tricky. Like, you really got to hammer out the wording. Get that contract looked at by a lawyer because, like, they're really good at sticking those loopholes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get someone from Wolfram and Hart to look it over. Wolfman, what's that from? Is that from? It's from Angel, the series. Okay, I was, like I was gonna say evil, I was, well, evil I, I demonic guess, law firm. I was gonna say I was close. I was gonna say is that a Buffy thing? So it kind it's, of yeah, is, it's is, a Buffy yeah. world thing. It's a Buffy verse. Buffy verse. Oh, the Buffy verse. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, this episode was fine. I feel like this episode was just kind of middle of the road for me. Like it wasn't. It was. It was okay. I mean, there was nothing wrong with it. I I enjoyed watching it. I just didn't think like yeah, it was. You know, predictable. Guy makes a deal with the devil. Happens of, all the time. Yeah, you know, all the as time. so is typical, and uh, especially politicians. Like, <laughs> you know, that's happening constantly. I, I liked the wife. I thought it was good that she was finally having some second thoughts and being like, maybe this isn't so great. Everyone's just dying like around us. We should maybe. Well, and also, unlike what usually happens, she actually was aware of it right it wasn't like something that was happening behind her back yeah so, although apparently the uh fair with driscoll was happy behind her back so. yeah well i mean it's not like he was set up as a good guy so i guess yeah. it's not super surprising i think this was just a five for me it was okay like it was okay. fine so it less so watchable. than firefall last time so a little bit lower than firefall yeah i thought firefall took more risks it was more interesting and this okay. was just kind of like your standard Dude makes a deal with the devil kind of episode. Okay. So that's still higher than zombie though. For you. Yeah, what did I rate zombie? It was like four. a three. Oh wow. A four. Maybe I should have lowered four. that a little. But yeah, yeah, it's just middle of the road for me. Okay. Um, hmm. I think I'm actually gonna go with hmm. I'm gonna hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of want to go with. I'm going to go with six. Okay. Yeah. Maybe five and a half, but I'm going to go. I'm going to. I'm going to stick with whole numbers. We're just going to go integers here, and we're going to go with six. So yeah. So Thanks. same thing. I gave Firefall last time. What I was impressed by was because in the beginning we noted that so there are like two credited writers for this episode, but then there's four more uncredited writers. And one of the things when you're reading about this episode was that it was written by, it had like six writers on it and it shows. And I don't really see that it shows. I've seen, like, it wasn't like a hot mess. Like you would expect, you know, like an episode with a bunch of writers on it. Like nothing really seemed incongruent. Everything seemed to go. Yeah. Um, if, if anything, Firefall seemed to be more incongruent in places than this was. I mean, this wasn't, it just wasn't spectacular. Like it was just kind of just like a standard story. Yeah, so. it did all fit together and it seemed to like follow logical sense and everything. There was no point where you're like, what? That doesn't yeah. make any sense. Like it all made sense. It was 
cohesive. Yeah. And I mean, some of that, some of that, like, oh, it's nothing special might be like almost 50 years of, you know, media since then, possibly. Like maybe at the time it was more of a thing. So, but. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was fine. Yeah, I'm gonna go with a six. It's a little bit higher than a five. I think maybe, I think that's actually, I think I'm kind of giving it more credit for that just because of the whole, like, it had six writers. And just, we've seen episodes with less than six writers that are way more of a mess than than this. So, like I said, I don't think this this was a mess at all. It was just like a standard story. Yeah. I think it's one thing in its favor is that it didn't try to do too much, you know? So it wasn't like going crazy all over the place. It was just one thing and it, it went with it and... Mm-hmm. followed that line to the logical conclusion and it worked yep less is more sometimes sometimes yeah yeah this episode does have a little bit of incongruity though because we have talked previously about the whole miss emily thing remember because miss emily in the ripper is the advice columnist and she's supposed to be on vacation and then the actress who plays miss cowles in the series actually played the neighbor right the lady with the telescope who had sent the letter to miss emily that carl finds and that's how he finds the ripper mm-hmm. and she comes back as edith cowles and is the puzzle person and she's credited as edith cowles which they actually changed the name of cowles throughout the series too it, it originally was c-o-w-e-l-s and then it becomes c-o-w-l-e-s mm-hmm. but in this episode so when she appeared last time, which was in The Werewolf, she is known as Edith Cowles. She's the puzzle person. Now she is Miss Emily. She's not Edith, she's Emily. We call her Emily in the show. But in the end credits, she is credited as Edith Cowles. Yeah. So, so I'm wondering if she's supposed to be like the puzzle person and she answers the Miss Emily letters. And so maybe they. Yeah, I think I think what's going to happen is they're going to merge her. So next episode, she is going to fully integrate into Emily Cowles. She, oh, will, be okay. called, she will be called Emily Cowles and she'll be credited as Emily Cowles. And then she will remain Emily Cowles throughout the rest of the series. Okay. We just had this weird pathway (laughs) to the Emily Cowles thing that we've gotten. And you've also may have noticed that the dates, we do this in X-Files a lot, the dates in the Kolchik episodes jump around a lot. We're not following a direct time. Like the werewolf was Christmas time. And then, you know, I think we're, I think we, I think before it was September and now we're in, Oh, no, we're in September now before we were in August, I think. But anyway, so the dates kind of jump around. So part of me is also wondering if these episodes just like they're produced, like they were maybe written in one order and they're produced in a different order. And so the order of them is strange, too. But that's possible for sure. Yeah, I think I might at one point go back through and actually do because because Kolchek is good about giving us dates and times. Yes, it so is. So I might go through at one point and order them all in calendar <laughs> order create like a timeline (laughs) yeah there is mention though it's really confusing if you don't watch the episodes in order because a lot of times when they for the short syndication window they did have the vampire was usually the first episode they showed and some of four of the episodes were actually taken out of syndication because they were put together to make like tv movies they would group two episodes together and darren mcgab would actually do a little bit of new voiceover narration to link them and they actually show them like as a tv movie Huh. Yeah, so so four of them were taken out. So there were actually like only 16 that were in syndication because the other four were taken out because they were the TV movies. Huh, that's interesting. But if you watch them out of but if you watch them out of order, you could be really confused because you've you learn who Miss Emily is, and then you see Miss Emily go on vacation, and then you see the same lady being someone who sent a letter to Miss Emily, and you're like, what is going on? So it could get really confusing <laughs> if you're watching them out of order. Yeah, so, oh, totally. Yeah. That's like bad. if you watched the Ripper. And then watched this episode, you'd be really confused because you're like, oh, Miss Emily's back from vacation. What? What? That's the same lady that Kolchak just talked to. So, yeah, <laughs> it would be confusing. Yeah, it definitely so. would. That's funny. Yeah. But all righty. So, I've t- again, I am really surprised at these episodes. They are much better than I anticipated. I kind of feel I wasted a lot of time not enjoying these episodes because I kind of did not want to watch the series because... 
I mean, I think it does go that direction a little bit. We'll find out. Maybe I'm wrong about that too, but right. I always thought they were just going to be like campy, goofy, and just, I was happy to watch the movies, so. Yeah. Yep. They are not too shabby. They're not too bad, no. Yep. All righty. All right. I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios. Hashtag really just a bedroom closet. Episode production, design, and editing is by Lazy and Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz. And The Truth is What We Make of It by The Agrarians. Our premium feed is where you can find all of our X-Files adjacent bonus episodes covering television and films that are, you guessed it, X-Files adjacent. If you like these bonus episodes, tell a friend about our Patreon page. We'd love to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we rewatch episode eight of Kolchek the Night Stalker. Bad medicine. And bad, bad medicine, medicine is, is what I need. I need. something mm-hmm. it might sound like crap but i want to do this so i'm going to say bad medicine and then i'm going to come in and say and bad medicine is what i need okay and have you say bad medicine is what i need and then i'm gonna splice them together okay what's is that from something it's the bon jovi song your love is like bad medicine. Okay. Bad medi- yeah. So I gotcha. might use it. I might, but not. So yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs>